Let's get started. Uh, we're starting a, a series last week. Uh, we're in week two right now. Um, mainly last week, I went through uh, John 14, 1 through 12, uh, which if you weren't here, it's on our, uh, you can actually subscribe to our podcast or you can listen directly from our website. Uh, but it'd be worth listening to it because what we're going to do over the next three weeks is literally take these phrases, the way, the truth, and the life, um, and focus on those um, because this is the greatest news ever. This was, just a, a reminder, this was comfort for them to hear this. Uh, but let me, let, me, let, me, let me pick on myself a little bit. Any of you guys out there, and you don't have to raise your hand. I know I, I do that, and I say I don't have to. Um, guys or ladies that have a bad sense of direction. We can raise our hands on this one. Okay, okay. We can commiserate with that one. Okay, so if you don't know me, I am not really good with directions. Even if I've gone there before, um, good gracious, if you come up to me and tell me where I'm going and give me a play-by-play how to get there, about the second turn I'm gone and I'm staring at you with like dead eyes because I've lost, I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but I don't know, I can't connect them anymore. And if I'm standing with my wife, when you're um, telling me that, I've stopped listening from the beginning. As soon as I said, where are you at? And I'm just assuming she's listening because she has a great, she can literally ride somewhere one time, probably asleep in the car and get back there the next time. Um, I cannot. And the beauty of that is if you come up to me and say, hey, come to someone, just give me the address. I mean, look, there's, there's no more getting lost again unless your neighborhood is so new that it's not in there, which is in Leland, as fast as everything's growing, some of those are there, but general direction. And, and I, I, I honestly, I, I would be so lost without GPS. And we've lived here for seven and a half years, and there's still areas in Wilmington and Leland and surrounding areas that I'm like, I smile at them and go, yes, I know exactly where that is. Where in my mind, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I met a guy at a, a pastor friend this week at a restaurant and. He, um, which a little plug, um, if anybody's gone to Moe's Barbecue, I thought he was wrong. And it was like eh, Mission Barbecue or Moe's Burrito. But there was a place called Moe's Barbecue. I didn't know where it was at. And I was like, <laughs> oh, here it is. It is off of Olander. Um But the beauty about GPS is that as long as you know your destination, you can plug it in and you can get there. As long as you know your destination. Now, it might take you a roundabout way. And the beauty of it is it'll give you like, hey, here is the way to get there. And you, you hit OK. And it, I don't like it to talk to me because it's distracting. I just want to look and it tell me where to go. But it will talk to you. Turn here. Turn there. Uh, my recommendation is, is don't blindly follow it. For those that are office fans, Michael drove into a pond doing that. Um, so you, you don't want to do that. But if you have your destination, if you plug in the address, it'll get you there. And so what we want to work on today, what I'm going to talk about today, the text is going to be all about it. This idea that Jesus is the way. And so um, to kind of reiterate from last week a little bit is so uh, chapter 13, Jesus, the, the Judas 
he said, one of you is going to betray me. They figure out who that is. Finally, he leaves. He tells Peter he's going to deny him three times. He tells them clearly, I am going away. I am leaving. And in 14.1, he tells them, let not your hearts be troubled. And of course, their hearts were troubled because the man that they have given up everything to follow has just told them, I am leaving. And he tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And and what he was telling to to them in, in the simplest terms that he could is, I'm making a way from you to the Father. He wasn't going to build the house. He has not been building a house for 2,000 years. He provided a way in the cross for us to be with the Father. And he said, "I, I would not tell you that I'm building and preparing a place for you if I wasn't going to come back. And when I come back, I'm going to draw you to myself, which is the beauty of Christianity. We're not going to philosophy. We're not going to a religion. We're, we're, we're pursuing a person who gives us life. And, and that was in the, the Thomas was like, because he said, you know the way I'm going. And he said that on purpose. And he like, we don't have the address, Lord. We need to know how to get there. And verse 6 is the comfort that he gave them. And we're going to talk about the implications and applications of what that means for this verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A way is a path or a route. And the disciples had expressed their confusion about where he was going and how would they how they could follow. He, as he had told them from the beginning, Jesus was again telling them, follow me. Follow me. I'm the way. Look to me. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at specifically what it the way isn't. Because if if Jesus is the way, there's some things that that if we if we trust that if we believe that if we are living for Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, trusting Him for our life, there are things that it does in us. But we have to make sure that we've got this correct. If Jesus is the way, what isn't the way? Well, one of the ways that they were looking to get to God before Jesus is the law. And if you've been reading in the one-year Bible, and we just finished Galatians this week, I mean, it was a over and over and over again. If Unless you're going to live to the letter of the law, unless you're going to obey everything, the law will not save you, which we cannot, if you have not figured out, we cannot follow the letter of the law. We cannot live that specifically. And so Galatians chapter 3 verses 10 through 11, it says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. And the beauty of it not being the law is it's no longer because I'm going to tell you, I mean, like anybody else in here, like if we're living to the law, verse 10 is our verse. And the moment we break one of the laws, the law has lost its ability, which it never really had the ability 
It lost its ability to do anything in us. And so the beauty of releasing that is no longer are we tied to our inability. Now, here's what I'm not saying. Woo! There are no rules. Do whatever you want. What I'm saying is we are no longer living under the letter of the law. We're putting our faith in Jesus. So another one, and this is beauty, beautiful for us. Another one that isn't a good way for us is our, and this could be tied to the law, but our personal righteousness. You do struggle. I mean, I grew up in the South. I struggle with, I want to be good enough for God. I want Him to be happy with me. And 90% of my life I've spent going, God, can I, am I good enough now? Do you love me now? If, I, if I'm doing this and that, or, or, or am I going to be okay in your eyes? And if He is the way, I am no longer the way. And, I, and you're like, well, I was never the way. But how many of us, Live like we are the way that our righteousness, that our holiness is what we're going to stand before the father one day and go, God, look at all these good things that I have done. Look at all this money that I've given to the church. Look at all these hours I've served in kids ministry. Look at all these things that I've done. And we lift up all these these things which are good Don't get me wrong, but those aren't our salvation. And the danger is, if Jesus isn't the way, we're looking to ourself to be the way. Isaiah 46, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Like, our greatest works of righteousness aren't good enough. And if Jesus isn't your way, you're going to try to be your way. And if you say that He is the way, you have to let Him be. And I I feel like I just want to sit here for five minutes and and just ponder that reality. Because I think the, the biggest danger to us is me, you say that to yourself, you... And me trying to work out our own salvation. And I'm not talking about like Paul says with fear and trembling. Because he's talking about in faith. I'm talking about on our own trying to before others to look, look, look how good I am. And we do this. I do this. And this is something that if he is the way, we have to stop trying to save ourselves, And we have to put our trust in Jesus. Now, like we talked about last week, belief is an action, but the belief and the faith have to come first. And the action is afterwards. Us saving ourselves is the action coming first. Look what I have done. Then I get salvation. It doesn't work. Other, okay, what else isn't the way? Other philosophy, other persons, other gods, small g, there is no other way for us because we just figured out, we, we cannot. We're never going to be perfect enough. And all the other religions set you in this place of be good. And maybe God will accept you. Well, I don't think any of us are struggling with the reality that we feel that we struggling in the thing that we're good enough. I mean, if you are, please, like, help me embrace that. Because, I, I you know, if, 
I'm the world's worst. Like, oh, I went three miles over the speed limit. Man, but what if I'm speeding? Anyway, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to go there. No other philosophies, persons or God can be the way if Jesus is the way. Acts 4.12. And it says there and there is salvation in no one else. If there, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved. Referring to Jesus. There is no other philosophy. If we're, and we're going to get into truth next week. And we're going to get into life the next week. There is no other way that will lead us to the life or the truth that we want other than Jesus. And so if, if, if you cannot be your own savior, it releases you to trust Jesus. It, I'm telling you, you want worship to be better? Stop being your own savior. Because when you start singing songs about what he's done for us, that he's our defender, that he's going before us, that he's doing these things for us, it changes worship. But if you're, th- if you're sitting there in worship thinking, I am good enough. I have done good things these weeks. God loves me because of what I've done. You're robbing him of the worship that he declares. But if you're sitting there like Isaiah 64, 6 and declaring to yourself that my greatest works of righteousness are but a polluted garment, then when you sing the glory and majesty of what he has done for us, when you sing about the cross, it's different. Look, I want to give you the ability to worship God correctly and you have to turn off in yourself your personal righteousness yes god is working us into being like him he is sanctifying us as we grow in him yes that should be happening but that's what he's doing for us because there there is no work for us Without him, if he's not the way, then we're looking to some other way. And the way is not just meant to believe. And we talked about that last week. It's rather to be followed. I mean, Jesus talked about this from the beginning. I mean, he literally, this was his mantra over and over again. This is what he said to people, come and follow me. And what you'll see, and we're going to talk about some of them, some of them people, are, are, they come to Jesus and they're like, there is something about you that I want to be near. And he said, well, if, you're gonna, if you want me, you have to do X. You have to sell all your possessions. Deny yourself and follow me. It was, it was a hard call because he was the way. They were looking at a different one. So here we go. Matthew 16, 24. And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Like, I think we're so used to the little cross that we put on our necklace that we're like, yeah, 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 I got mine on right here. I take up my cross every day. (laughs) The disciples aren't thinking about a little gold chain that you're going to carry around on your person years later. They're thinking the Roman cross They're thinking, if you're going to follow me, pick up your death and come after me. I mean, a little different story. I mean, because I think we, in our American culture, be like, yes, look at me. I I wore my Christian t-shirt the other day. 
And I appreciate you wearing your REIT shirts. And when you volunteer, you get one. And we have some upstairs. Little plug. Uh, they are the most comfortable shirts you'll ever have. And, you know, we think, oh, like we've done our thing. Like, or, 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 here's the next one. Mm, and I did, I did one this week on our social media. Post a scripture. Like, I, I proclaim the church, I proclaim this text, the word of God on social media. And all my followers just saw, like, I'm picking up my cross. He's talking about, look, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to say no to you, to your wants and desires, to your dreams, to your future, and follow me because I am the way. See, if he's not the way, there's no purpose in following him. But if he is the way, that is like our little GPS. <laughs> turn, turn, turn. And, and we live in that place of God. You are. Um, Mark ten twenty and 21 is the young rich ruler. So the young rich ruler comes to Jesus. He, he is someone that has lived righteously, has done the right thing, and he comes to Jesus aching. And I think this is where most of us live. We're aching inside of ourselves going, there's something I'm missing. There's something I'm missing, and I, I want to follow him. And, and Jesus raises the bar. And notice, this isn't what he talked to everybody. He didn't go to every single person that followed him and say, hey, this is what I want you to do. Some of them, you know, he talks about, well, let the dead bury their dead, which whole nother sermon, like not like don't go to your father's funeral if you're going to follow Jesus. And all these other things, he's saying, hey, look, me, follow. And look what he said in verse 20. It says, and he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth, his own righteousness. All of these things I have done. And Jesus looked at him, loved him. Here's the beauty. He wasn't going, oh, I want to punish him. I want to get at his heart. He wants his heart. And he loved him and he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. See, Jesus wasn't proclaiming this to every single one of you. Because your possessions may not be your treasure. Your possessions may not be your heart. But what he is telling every single one of us, you can have nothing else before me. You can't. Job. Even relationships. You cannot have another that you place before me. And he was going after this young, rich ruler's idol. He was going after this young, rich ruler's God. Which was what he had done. Because he thinks, I have done, look, look how good I have done. I have done all of those since my youth. Look, there's, I mean, if I was Jesus, which I'm not, disclaimer, just in case somebody tries to edit that later, disclaimer. If I was Jesus, it would be so hard in my flesh when you're, you know, because Jesus got a ragtag bunch of losers. That's not, nothing personal against the disciples. I think they would have thought that about themselves. And here comes this shining star. I mean, oh man, he's got his act together. He is obeying, he's doing the right things, and he's got lots of money. Because Jesus knows what's coming. He's like, oh, that feeding that 5,000 would be a whole lot easier with some dough in the pocket right or you know or or you know we might you know 
when he, he says, you know, birds have nests and foxes have holes, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, he could have looked at that young rich ruler and be like, we're going to have somewhere to lay our head. I mean, to be honest, and he does the exact opposite. When he has someone that is a viable candidate, but isn't willing to let go of his other God, he turns him away. Actually, the person turned himself away. Jesus didn't turn him away. He turned himself away. But he could have gone, oh, no, no, we'll we'll work with you. We'll help you. Instead, no. Same thing with the 5,000. He had thousands of people. I mean, in our modern culture, we'd be like, let's start a church. We're going to be awesome. And he says hard things to them. Like, unless you eat the body of Christ or drink the blood of Christ, you know, my blood or drink my blood or eat my flesh. That's hard. Can you imagine Sunday morning? Hey, if you want to be a part of this church, I cut a little piece of me off and you're going to have to eat some of my flesh. I mean, that's the call. I mean, like people are like, I'm out. Nah, nah. Like, I thought this was a good church. I listened to a few of your sermons, but no. Draw the line. And Jesus didn't because he was after their heart because he desires to be the way. No other. Here's another one. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter in it are many. Easy. How easy is that wide road? Easy. I think half the time we're like, look at me. Right there. And here's Jesus telling him, that's easy. It says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Hard. Because Jesus is the way. And this should be compelling us, compelling us to live in that place. Because I'm telling you, if we can live, that original slide isn't up there anymore. If we can live in that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we live that, we would be the happiest, joy-filled people ever. Because there would be no truths that we're after other than his truth. There would be no life other than what he gives us. There would be no pursuit of anything that wasn't his way because he is the way. That's what he's saying. It's hard. I, I, I don't know who, I mean, I recommend uh, if you haven't, but Pilgrim's Progress. Anybody ever read that? I mean, like there's this, there is a way. God is leading us to this place that He wants us to enjoy. He wants that for us because He knows what we need. And so what I want to do to close this out is what are, what are the applications for that? So if there is no other person, there is no other philosophy, there is no other God that is the way to the Father, to our peace, to our joy, if we are no longer our own personal Savior, if there is no... Our, if there's no ability in the law to save us, it changes us. So what are the applications? One is we trust Him. He will guide you to truth and life. We trust Him. We live in this place of waking up and living every moment of going, God, I trust you. And I'm going to just tell you, I've been doing this long enough that there's a lot of things that you're going to encounter that are going to challenge that trust. 
There are things in your life, things that are going to happen in this world that you're going to go. And you're, and you're going to say it. You'll say it. If God loved me then. Instead of, if he is the way, the truth, and the life, you trust him. You just say, God, I don't know. And let me just tell you, there's some things that I do not have the answer for. If you're here because you think I have all the answers, you're in the wrong place. I've done funerals for 18-year-olds. I do not have the answers to why things happen. But my statement, my heart is that God is good. That's the trust, that we follow Him, trusting in Him. And not only do we trust Him, because out of that trust, then we, we do something, we serve Him. He is our greatest cause, period. I was at a conference two weeks ago, and they were talking about this, um, you know, this next generation, the Gen Zers and the Millennials. They want a cause. They want to be significant, meaning they want to do something of value. <laughs> meaning at the end of the world, they, they, I mean, end of their life, they're not necessarily just looking to have a, a you know, a comfortable lifestyle. They're looking, did their life matter? And this 29-year-old that was talking and wrote this book was saying, we, we, the church, has the greatest cause ever. If we believe. Matthew fourteen six, No one comes to the Father except if we believe that, then our cause will never end. As long as there is someone who doesn't know Jesus, we have a purpose and a mission. And so we serve Him. We literally serve him. And, and, and that's not just here. I know for six weeks we talked about let's get ready people. Let's get people ready for two services. And we need more people. And I'm grateful for everybody that stepped up. We've had lots of people that have stepped into new roles and new positions and have stepped into volunteering. And that's great. But serving him is not just here. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, then our life is dedicated to him always. When you're walking down the road, I, and I'm not, I'm, this is not prophetic or anything, but when you see somebody with a flat tire, when you see someone struggling to pick something up, when you, when you see your neighbor struggling to mow their grass, when you see someone that doesn't have serving him, like, look, how does an unseen God get seen and experienced here by these? We get, like when we talked about with the sheeps and the goat, when did we see you this and not? And he said, what you did to the least of these. Like we literally, if he is the way, then we will begin to serve him every way. Because when we're walking down the road, what's going to lift us up? I'm telling you, I had an encounter, a conversation with somebody this week, and there was just, you know, stepped into a little boldness to say a few things. And like there's, there's, there's a power that God gives us when we begin to step into trusting Him and believing that He has the capacity to heal, to restore, to bring life to where there wasn't life. We have the greatest cause. And here's the last thing. So trust Him, serve Him, and share Him. Look, I know if you've been around church for a while, you've, and I don't even know if this is really St. Augustine 
sad to, maybe I'm wrong. Um, preach the gospel always and when necessary use words, which I'm for. But I think sometimes we take that too much. Well, we'll just serve. We'll just mow grass. We'll just do these things. Look, how will people hear if the gospel isn't preached? And, and that we have an opportunity as a church for the gospel to be preached at a greater opportunity when we, all of us, take that as our mission. That we begin to share the gospel. And part of this is, if he's not our way, then we cannot share. But if he is our way and we're spending time with him, we just share what God's doing for us. We share what we're learning about God. We're not trying to answer every big question. We're just saying, look what God has done through me. Because as we live that life, we get to share him. Look at this in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is our mission. It's our cause. Baptizing people. Making disciples. And we're going to start talking about this over the next year in in greater measure. What does it mean to make a disciple? Because I think sometimes we think, well... And I gave everybody, you know, there was a card on everybody's seat last week and I was invite somebody. Yes, that, you know, that's part of it. Invite people to church. Let them hear the gospel. But... If we're going to change our world, not only do we have to share the gospel, but we've got to make disciples, which is sharing the gospel. And you know how we make disciples? We invite people into your world. Not we. You invite people into your world. Which is a mess. I mean, just be honest. Like, I remember being a youth pastor back home and, and we had youth in our house all the time. And the more they hang out with you, the more they're around you, the less you can hide. Like I'm telling you, my children, you know, y'all, you guys may have a high view of me. Because you see me working hard, getting here early, setting up because setup team's the best. Um and you, you hear me preach and you, you see me sing beautifully up here and clap off rhythm and all that stuff. And you envy my voice, I know. But Noah is not any like he he knows me. He sees me there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely unhidden to my son. Where you guys are like, man, he is so nice. God, I mean, he is just man. Some of you, and I'm not saying this, like, so don't take this too far, but you're like, man, if my dad was like that guy, <laughs> I'm not as perfect as you think I am. <laughs> Just ask Noah at the end of the service. <laughs> but you invite people, some of the most fruitful ministry I've ever experienced, meaning the most discipling I've ever done was when I invited students into our life. We had one student, specifically, he's pastoring a church right now in Colorado, and he literally ate dinner for four years. He ate dinner at our house every Monday night. When he didn't have a car, I picked him up. We actually took seminary classes together, and I think he did better than me. I was a grown man. I didn't take that to heart, but he saw that. He literally, he got to sit in our family. He got to have our meals and and be around us. And and it is 
Cult, not taught. Life, discipleship. It is inviting people in. And I'm telling you, our world isn't going to change until that happens. Our community isn't going to change until we start discipling people who disciple people. And that, when that happens, like our community will change. But it will literally, and, and here's the beauty, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and we are not, we don't have to be perfect. And that's the beauty of it. You will never be perfect. But you can be a believer who has been saved by the grace of Jesus, who in His grace and in His mercy, He is making you more and more like Him. Because the, 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 the plan isn't, isn't for you just to be like, okay. The plan is for you to get better, for your marriages to get better. The more we're with Jesus, the more our marriages should reflect, the more our parenting should reflect, the more our employment should reflect who we are. The choices that we make, the things that we do, it is a declaration. And so I just I want to invite our worship team to come up. Um, and as we close, I want us to reflect here. And here's the question. Is he your way? I'm not saying, are you a Christian? Because I think that's a, that's a, that's a weird statement now today. Based on what we've said, if he, is a, if he is the way, we should be following him. It should be in our life. Not perfectly, but we're moving in a direction of saying, I am his child. And if he is not your way, then have a conversation. The reason why we put a song at the end of our service is so that you have a moment. You have an opportunity to go, God, I've been trusting in me because I, I believe for 18 years of my life, I trusted in me to be good enough. I, and I wasn't. I mean, that was the sad part. And until I finally realized that Jesus did these things for me, that I can trust and believe in Him, and He will do in me what I cannot, it changes us. And the beauty is, in two weeks from now, on Sunday at 3 o'clock at Oak Island, we're going to have a baptism. Baptism is a declaration. You saying, I am His. And, and you could literally today go, God, well, I didn't get baptized when I was like 24. I got sprinkled when I was 16, but that didn't count because I was not saved. But I was going to start driving. thought I may die. I want to get my insurance plan taken care of with the Holy God. Got saved at 18 and... Six years after that, I had not had a believer's baptism, and my wife and I got baptized at Pine Bluff Lake. Oh, yeah, it's as glorious as you think it sounds. And there, was, it was, and it, it, there wasn't anything magical about it. It was just a declaration of us saying, I'm his. He is mine. And so as we close, and if God's doing something in you, help us help you by letting us know how we can help you. Like, help us. We, we are here to guide you, to lead you, to shepherd you, to disciple you, to help get you to where God is taking you. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and your mercy that we have even the ability to know you, to love you, and to serve you. And Lord, right now, in us, you know if you are our way. You know if that verse is a comfort to us or if it's just something we've memorized to say to other people. And Lord, in us, right now, Lord, I pray that you would do what you do, that you would, you would confront us like the young rich ruler, that you, would, that you would point out, look, this is what you're following. This is your way. Trust me. Lord, I pray that there would literally right now be transition from our way to your way, that we would acknowledge that you are a good and loving God that has had a plan from the beginning for us to be reconciled to the Father. And in trusting and believing in you, you've not only reconciled, but you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. So, Lord, I pray that you would show us. That you would put this burden on us, like your yoke that is light and is easy, but it's, it's, it's life. This burden of, of the lost that aren't yours. Lord, I pray that you would use our lives, mine included, outside of these doors to show your love and your affection for your people. Future, present, and past people. We thank you for your word that we we don't have to question whether or what we should do. We know that you are. Our way, Lord, I pray that the peace that passes all understanding that you talk about later in this chapter would be ours in believing this. So meet us where we're at. Speak to our hearts. Do in us what needs to be done. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.